There's a lot of fear today that children are not getting enough science and technology training, especially for those in a K-12 classical Christian school. My guest today is a founder and president of one of the top engineering firms in the country, and he has some words of encouragement to those raising the next generation with aspirations of living and serving in a high-tech world. Mountains, we all face them. Basecamp Live will equip you to conquer the biggest mountains when raising the next generation. Each week, you'll hear from culture watchers, thought leaders, and storytellers who know the tools you'll need to summit the peak and shape exceptionally thoughtful, compassionate, and flourishing human beings. Welcome to Basecamp Live, and now your host, Davies Owens. Welcome to Base Camp Live. Davies Owens in the studio with Kelly Barber. How's it going, Kelly? Good. Hey, I'm excited about our interview today with David Cutberth, DC engineer, partner. This guy has got 13 offices around the country. He is hiring tons of people. He's thinking a lot about the technical world in which we live. And, you know, I hear all the time, I don't know if you do, just being kind of classical Christian people, that we're just like the retro folks that are just sort of, you know, aiming backwards and uh, looking to start teaching our kids to build wagon wheels or something. I don't know if you hear that. I, I do hear that, but I'll tell you, when I look around our, our demographics, I don't see that in I, our there population. No, there are no wagons parked outside our school. No, not today. <laughs> but but I do think that there's a, there's a in, a in an age that kind of worships science and technology, kind of God of our age, um, the whole STEM thing, and we have people that often will opt out of our schools, maybe by the time they hit high school, because they think, you know, we got to learn to build ro- robots, got to be ready for, quote, the real world um you are you are not a nonprofit guy like me you have you you earn real money and you do real world things um i should put myself down but at any rate uh, you're an attorney <laughs> you're in hospital administration so you see you're in the and you're part of hiring all the time so i mean what what's the industry saying today what kind of people are wanted out there yeah i think generally i think there was an idea that there was a hope at some point that this would be what the world would look like for those of us who believe in this classical christian model yeah but i think it's really playing out they want folks that have the ability to think critically that can see big picture they can analyze and make decisions and know how to yeah. state their case and communicate, yeah. not just know how to punch the right the, button at the right the time. The one-trick ponies. Well, in Harvard Business Review recently did a whole article on hyper-specialization, which is, you know, there, there's some great things about it, but this article is really looking at the false promises. I mean, just some of the – just everything from the experience of the labor who's so focused on one little thing. Um, you know, Heather Wilson wrote an article, a different one on – Superficial scholars just looking at how again we can you know split atoms and, and do nuclear physics, but we don't really understand sociology or psychology or theology. So yeah, now, you, you can even see it outside of the classical Christian world, right? The the whole liberal arts idea is out there. It's kind of being bemoaned that some of this has been lost yeah. because we're losing a part of really the essence of what our humanity is. Well, this is a great interview with David Cutberth, and I think it, David really brings to life as a guy out there in the real world why this education is so important. Yeah, so, he's a go getter. He's got a lot of good things to it's say. Good stuff. All right, let's jump into the interview. Well, welcome to Basecamp Live. I am here with David Cutberth in our studio. David um, is a, a friend of mine. We both had our oldest, or not our oldest, but our kids graduate this year at Ambrose, launching out from classical Christian schools into the wilds and wonder beyond. Welcome and welcome to Basecamp. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So folks that don't know you, I, we were just chatting here. You're the official founder and president of DC Engineering here in Boise. Um, you have helped uh, define, refine, and implement uh, the vision for the success of your clients here in this engineering firm. You guys have 170 personnel now in seven states, so you are overseeing lots of people um, in this uh, firm. You guys are in the disciplines of mechanical, electrical, structural, refrigeration controls, chemical, pretty much anything with engineering related to it and consulting. You've got your hand in it, sounds like. That's 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 a first statement. <laughs> and given the boom times we're in, it seems like you guys are – I'm honored you even had time to come by the studio today. There's always time. 
Well, thanks so much. Well, what we're going to talk about today, David, with knowing that uh, you're with your dad hat on, you're, you're, you've kind of walked recently this path of colleges and life beyond a K-12 school. At the same time, you are a businessman and you're hiring people, so you're kind of seeing it from both sides. And I think, you know, as an engineer, um, one would assume that every engineer would want a kid that has been building Lego robots since they were four years old and, you know, they, they can do pi equals out about 15 digits or something. <laughs> so I'm curious, what do you, when you look at the industry today, what, what, are, what are companies like yours wanting and the folks you're hiring? I think the first thing you said was is that you're an engineer. Often people ask, oh, you're an engineer. And I had one time that I gave a presentation, I had about 22 different titles. An engineer was actually the last okay. in this process. So defining what engineers do, they actually do turn, turn ideas into reality. And they use scientific principles and mathematical concepts and other elements that really allow us to communicate in language to be able to build things yeah. or to construct things. However, you have to first be able to even define what it is you're doing. And oftentimes people think that engineers design things but first and foremost, they have to define things. That's really well said. Yeah, I think your, your website has this great line. Uh, your leadership experience in multiple organizations seeking first to understand and then to be understood by utilization, I love this, of the, of the heart, which isn't where you normally start the engineer's list out, mm -hmm. the heart, the head, and the hands uh, to lead to strategic planning. So a lot of it is you're just trying to figure out what is your customer need, which is not get out the slide rule right at the beginning. I mean, that comes later. That, that, that's and maybe never correct. today. Maybe no slide rules anymore, but at any rate. No, that, that's exactly right. Who should I perform the calculation? Mm -hmm. You know, engineers are in a unique position to understand the sometimes the dichotomy or the challenges between the end user. They want something faster, cheaper, quicker. Right. But also, they have a certain limited budget. But also, there's certain reliability because if something goes wrong, you may actually have your name or <laughs> brand in places that you don't want them to be put yeah. with social media and other, 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 other elements. Right. But engineers are a very, very unique position to understand the limitations but also the, the opportunities that exist to utilize really mathematical and scientific principles to help bridge that gap. Yeah. And it's interesting when you say the word bridge, I remember when I was looking at colleges decades ago, we'll just leave it at that, and I remember looking at a liberal arts college and the argument that they made, I remember it to this day because it was convincing enough for me to end up going there, it was Furman University, but they said, you know, engineers will figure out how, how to build a bridge structurally, but they also need to understand that this bridge that didn't exist before between two towns is now connecting two groups of people who never connected before. So now you need to know the sociology and you need to know the psychology, and it was like a much bigger reality than just putting a mechanical bridge in place, which sounds like a lot of what you're saying. That, that, that's absolutely true. You know, one of the things that we've been, you know, looking at and doing is first, there's there's multiple elements even with engineering. The first and foremost is, is to support the surrounding culture, community, values that are in there. The second thing is also to understand there's multiple stakeholders. Mm -hmm. There's the operational side of it, that actually, does it actually fit, which the process actually fit, also the maintenance aspect of it, you know, how do you maintain this facility right. for a certain period of time? And then again, the reliability of it in a cost-conscious fashion. Yeah. So it is not just simply a design something, because you can design something, but it's not maintainable, and it missed the primary function of what you've been hired to do. So are you seeing, I mean, you obviously have a key role in hiring for Mm -hmm. Six. I mean, you must travel a lot. You, you know, people on many offices all around the country. Um, are you seeing kind of over a, a trend? Do you see a, a shift maybe in the type of 
applicants you're getting now versus 10 or 20 years ago? I mean, do you see, is there, can you make generalizations like that? And it, I think part of it is is understanding the skill sets of the people that are coming in, mm-hmm. you know, for looking for work in a standpoint yeah. too. Because many people think that an engineer sits behind a desk, right? In a standpoint, um, but a lot of it is is understanding, you know, what your role, what your strength, what your ability, what are your talents that are foundational to you as an individual. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, do believe that engineering is a mathematical or a scientific, you know, process, and that's true. However, the exciting thing that we're saying is that people, even if, you know, graduated from classical yeah. schools and other places too, they realize bridging that gap provides you additional opportunities that are not just in the design, but it's in the defining aspect of right. the of the role of engineers. Yeah, and I know that's, which is, again, Put simply, I mean, we're just basically talking about people that are well-rounded, that are that are not one-dimensional, and that's where, like, Inc. Magazine recently published an article talking about the. It's still hard for me to believe this. You know, two to three billion dollars that that modern American industry is spending to effectively retro-train, retro-educate students who are coming in in basic things, everything from you know how to write a complete sentence and 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 orally present, but also just common sense manners. When you go out to close a business deal, don't pick your teeth at the table. I mean, things that you would hope would probably maybe didn't make their way through the, you know, through the classroom um, before. But so that's really interesting, just the, the nature that you guys are looking for really more well-rounded uh, students. So um, that's, that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so any, some success stories. Tell me, tell, what are you seeing that's, what's been a success story for you guys? Oh, for us, that that's a that's a great great question. I guess one of the things that I guess we've seen from a success for, for from a company standpoint is really contributing to our client success. That's internal. That's external. That is trying to allow opportunities to see. It's part of it is it's the math, hmm. but also it's seeing the language that people are using is not in a box. From a standpoint, you use the word about you know pie, or I'm wearing a Dilbert tie today. You are wearing a Dilbert tie, I will, and you even dressed a bit with the same shirt. I, I mean, did, and for the for the purpose of, are saying, you proud of Dilbert? <laughs> Dilbert is a <laughs> great character for satirical sayings, mm-hmm. and there is so much truth, whether it be Seinfeld yeah. or Dilbert <laughs> or other items that show up at times, saying this is one element, or Popeye, for example. Mm-hmm. Popeye says very succinctly, I am that I am, that I, all that I am. He says that. But there's another question. Well, how did you become I am? Right. There's another never follow-up question. So for, for me, it's, it's really fun to see people for in our, in our organization to be, one, we're, we're leading, providing leading technologies and hitting um, technical groups up that are changing the refrigeration world mm. in the retail markets. We're, we're changing how those are looking and how they're saying. We're, um, Stephen Covey said years ago, he said, there was four ages of man. There was the hunter-gatherer, the agricultural, there was the industrial age, and there's the information age. And he said, I think it was about 10 years ago, so you went to the age of wisdom. By the way, be scared about that statement, by the way. I thought you were going to say the age of refrigeration. but No, no. The age of wisdom, but it's like, how do you take all of this information and apply it in ways that really is sustainable. Mm-hmm. When I say sustainable, it's not just green or it's being, you know, environmentally friendly. That's part of it. We're, we're, we are told to be good stewards sure. of what we do. And it is really exciting to see where we can help bring the multitude of engineering disciplines together 
and allow to present information when it goes back to the foundational thing. What did the owner really want? Mm-hmm. What did the owner really want to make sure it was sustainable for? And where do you actually put your money? Because everything costs money. Right. Everything costs money. By the way, time is money. We're all given a certain amount of time in this process. And for me, it's exciting to see as far as the growth, we've grown organically. Yeah. To the standpoint from one to a few more people now. Right. You know, in this process. But to me, the exciting part is to see is that it takes so many different people in this process working together, the interdependence of the people to allow them to see that there's skills, talents. But if you understand the core concept of understanding and applying, again, with your heart, hands, you know, and mind. And it's really, again, it just seems like what you're describing and experiencing is really what's happening broadly um, in industry today. And and again, my my thesis is that there's been such a shift in the last decade away from uh, the more well-rounded heart education and it's become so vocational technically oriented that it's left this void out there and so you see harvard business review i mentioned the liberal arts in a, in a data age he's in this article that just came out last month they're talking about uh several books one of them sense and sensibility <laughs> it's a great title by gary uh morson um professor of humanities at northwestern but he's talking about that uh you know the the economic models and the technical models fall short, you've really got to have a comprehensive understanding of the way humans think and and relate, which is what you're saying. I mean, when you're closing a deal, you've got to have all of these things working together, not just a single focus. So at any rate, well, we're going to take a quick break here with David Cutworth talking about uh, just changes that are happening in the business world, Uh, founder, president of DC Engineering. We're excited to hear more when we come back, maybe kind of speaking to parents today that are thinking about where is their child headed in terms of graduation, vocation, and how do we best prepare them? I think uh, your, your insights are super helpful. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Basecamp Live here with David Cutberth, founder and president of DC Engineering. We're talking about this uh, moment in time we're in uh, is Scott Hartley in his book, the, Fu- the Fuzzy and the Techie, which is an interesting title, talks about the false dichotomy between the humanities and the computer sciences. And this idea that, uh, you know, I, would, I think for a lot of parents, to be totally honest, David, um, are in classical Christian schools. And they're probably, if they're really honest, would say, I'm a little fearful that it maybe I'm doing my child a disservice. I really actually want them to be successful in the modern high-tech world and they're over here doing latin and memorizing shakespeare stuff and that's quaint and that's nice but i need them to be building robots and stem programs and all these things so you know again as an employer kind of thinking about someday these graduates will end up applying maybe to work with you for you mm-hmm. um well if you could pick between the shakespeare kid and the stem kid what, what would you did you have an opinion what would you say yes okay <laughs> All the above, please. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I, I guess I think you have to define maybe a little, a little okay. more too, as far as those terms. I know I'm oversimplifying, but no, no, yeah. it's a great statement. Yeah. If I use the word stem, okay, I would contend that supports. Think of a flower. Yep, what well, actually made? Yeah, it's science, technology, technology, engineering, math. But it's gone into like steam and other things now. They keep adding to it. Right, but a stem, a stem of a flower supports the the color, the richness, the ability to actually transmit. You know the, the nutrients from the air and other things too. Yeah. Through the stem to the roots. Yeah. What what's foundational? In stem, in one sense, people sometimes believe that stem is foundational. Mm. Well, stem's not foundational. The roots are foundational. The roots are foundational that allow the nutrients to grow to give color and texture 
and other things to the surroundings where the, the roots, their foundational Latin. Is that foundational? Well, it, it's, a, it's a word. Mm-hmm. That's just another way of communicating to people. When you talk about math, that's a way of communicating with people. Yeah. If you talk about foundational truths, does Shakespeare fi- fa- provide foundational truths? He communicates with people. But those aren't even the foundational truths right. of it's those more things. Basic. It's even more basic than that. I did a podcast a couple episodes back, quite a few back actually, with Tim Griffith, who is uh, New St. Andrews, doing the, um, the running their Latin program and trains teachers there. And what's interesting mm-hmm. is he was talking in the interview, kind of what's the value of Latin. Uh, he really made a convincing case that if you want to do be a computer programmer, you need to understand Latin because actually the, the basis of Latin mm-hmm. and structure, its or, organization, orientation helps one to have that mindset. But then who would those dots are rarely connected. So, Correct. And I, I would agree because the foundational elements, I, I used this years and years ago with my daughter in her second grade class. I said, what is one and one? <laughs> and at the end of the class, I said, the whole question was, what do engineers do for, yeah. for second grade students? Right. And then 11 years later, or <laughs> 10 years later, I got invited back to her senior class to talk to their you ask that class again? again. I asked the same question. I said, <laughs> I said, one hopes I got that one down. What is one and one? Yeah. And at the end of the conversation about what engineers do, I said, what's your answer? And almost everybody said two, hmm. except for one person said 11. <laughs> I said, yeah, one and one, if you write it on the board, is it's 11. 11. Right. If you write one plus one, that's two. <laughs> if it's one and one with binary functionality, it's three. <laughs> Have you defined the foundational basis That's of what really your worldview is to start with? Yeah. If you don't do that to start with, you'll be talking across people right. and trying to say, well, you're just trying to trick me. Right. It's like, no, there's a, actually a means and a methods for different elements along the way right. to help understand the foundational truths that allow us to communicate and build and create and do things and turn our world into a reality. So, the, And those foundational principles don't change. This is what's so you know, there's nothing new in the sun. Truth is truth. And so those things are a solid base that everyone who's a well-rounded human being needs to have in their education. And I've heard you say, too, you know, again, we run so quickly towards uh, really specific technical vocational training. I mean, and I, I often think back to the mm-hmm. early 80s. I'm proud to say I, I was I was trained on a TRS-80. Um, and uh, I learned uh-huh. MS-DOS and Microsoft Basic back in the days when uh-huh. everyone said this was going to change my life. And, of course, we laugh now because, I mean, maybe those programming languages exist in some distant form somewhere out there. But my point is that that kind of very granular training and a very specific, narrow set of technical uh, level of expertise, especially in a K-12, is really unhelpful. I mean, it, it, what, what you've said to me is there are people that come to you almost have to retrain them and you know let's assuming they have some basic they're humanly grounded in good things but there's some of the technical level stem stuff is so actually unhelpful it'd be better for you just to train them in that no i i would agree with that because because part of the process when people come and i think a a college education Mm -hmm. or a high school education when people become people come to us we assume that they can learn and that is the foundational element even with a college college graduate our lead structural engineer graduated in physics. A professional engineer that we have that works in the controls engineering department has a degree in physics. Another engineer that works in the mechanical department has a degree in physics. (laughs) So engineering is not the tool. Engineering is a mindset to allow us to apply tools in new creative ways. And to me, that is one of the most awe-inspiring things is to see that we're discovering things that God enables us to see. 
And it's really fun to see that, oh, we can do this part. It's not necessarily the initials after your name as far as a mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, control engineer, or, or whatever standpoint, but it allows you to have the foundational principles to build upon the truths that have been shown to us in this process. So if I'm a parent and I'm listening to this, and I'm thinking I really think my child has some giftings in the sciences or engineering, which, by the way, are our school, like many, um, we have more kids heading off into sciences and mm -hmm. engineering than probably any other discipline. But if that's what you want for your child, what advice would you have in terms of should they be at every summer robot camp? Should they, you know, really be pushing hard here, or just what? What? What, what do you? How could you give them some wisdom in that? Um, give wisdom—that's a relative term here. But I'll, <laughs> I will, I'll give you what I what, what I wisdom. believe. Yes. Um, my son just graduated. Yep. From. A classical Christian school. Yes. And he applied numerous places, and he's actually going now to UCSD in neuroscience, a standpoint too. And one of the things that I've found, even within that program, there's so many different areas. There's artificial intelligence. There's machine learning. Who develops Siri? You know, how do people think mm -hmm. in a standpoint? So to me, the exciting part for me is seeing how my son, who's gone through this process, the foundational elements that he's learning by learning logic, right. reasoning, rhetoric, Latin, foundational truths are equipping him to compete at the highest levels in select universities, whether it be in a STEM program or a non-STEM program. But the foundational truths equip you. And the foundational – when you say foundation, foundational truths, you're talking about his K-12 that aspect that is of correct. his education. That is correct. Thing so is he didn't need to be learning Siri in ninth grade to be ready no, to go. No, yeah. that, that's an application. Right. Siri will not be here in probably 20 years. No, it'll be... It'll be something different. Yeah. And that, that's okay. It'll be back with my TRS-80. Exactly. <laughs> but it's like, but it's fun to participate along this process, mm -hmm. and we get to discover things and do things, and it's really fun to see that what you learn is applied in many, 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 many ways along the way. Yeah, which is really encouraging. So I, I And I think that's... The versatility that we want, you know, I think again, classical Christian schools are often accused of creating very narrow, narrowly minded, um, and maybe that's true theologically or something. But narrow, and that may be good, but narrow in the sense of we're all going to graduate and be pastors and Sunday school teachers and husbands and wives, and and that's oh, those are all good things too. But if you want to really get into quote the real world, you need to have a broader perspective of things. We we have probably the most adaptable broad perspective through. You read 125 of the greatest books of Western civilization. You study logic and Latin. You know, our kids did mock trial. I mean, there's there's some amazing uh, adaptability and versatility and, and learning the spirit of learning that you talked about. You mm -hmm. want you want a learner who shows up to work in your office. Never stop learning. Yes. So, well, David Cover, thanks for encouraging us today. Excited that you are. Um, seeing these successes literally around the country, and you've got a great vantage point. So I know you've got, you do have, kind of ending on this note, you have a, a classical Christian graduate who uh, fi finished, I guess, from the Logos School, one of the earlier pioneer schools out there, is now with you guys, right? Yes. Yeah. Actually, we have a couple of people actually and now that work for us. We have, we have one from the Logos School that's graduated yep. working with us, and yep. another um, recent graduate about five years ago from, from Ambrose School, from yeah. the Ambrose School, and then yep. graduated from Baylor. And what University. did he major in? Yeah. Um, electrical engineering. There you go. So it's, it, and he can he can run Shakespeare circles around anybody and do electrical engineering. It's pretty exciting. Absolutely. So well, great. Well, David, thanks so much for being on Basecamp Live. We look forward to having you on again and continuing this conversation. But I hope this has been an encouragement to uh, to the, our parents that are excited about kids moving out into places of influence in the world of science and technology. There's a lot of future there, and we definitely want to have a voice. So thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Okay. 
You've been listening to Basecamp Live with Davies Owens. You know, raising the next generation isn't easy, so we hope you're refreshed and encouraged by what you've heard today. And if so, please invite others to listen. You can subscribe at BasecampLive.com, and we would invite you to join the conversation about ancient future education. Info at BasecampLive.com is that address. Please shoot us a message. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for joining us.